Uh, welcome to Chronicle Cast. Uh, we are here at Outfest 2013, um, and I am here with Lisa uh, Biajati. Biajati, thank you. <laughs> um, filmmaker, director of the really thought-provoking and surprising uh, documentary uh, here called Deep South, and I'm really excited to talk to Lisa because I've watched. The, I was actually found out about the film before Outfest, and I saw it was playing. I was just really excited because it's such an interesting subject matter not I've never heard it brought up before before I watch a trailer for your film um so if you could just um first of all explain to our listeners what the film is about um and then just talk about like where's the inspiration come to talk about this issue or talk about the subject matter like what was the genesis of coming to this okay so deep south is a feature documentary about um HIV in the rural american south and I always know this is like the worst way to intro a film, but you know, I always say it's about HIV in the South, but it's not about HIV. Because what I found as I went across the South was that HIV was really an indicator or a symptom of something much larger. So it was really about um, systemic collapse or a broken social infrastructure. And so where I found high rates of HIV as I went across the South I found a lot of other things. I found low education rates and um, high incarceration rates and a lot of poverty and, you know, you name it, it just kept going on. And so really it became symptomatic of a lot of other things. Yeah. So, and th- but it, that's hard to say. It's also about rural <laughs> America. It's also about homophobia. It's also about, you know, and it's, I make it sound so unfocused, but um, <laughs> really it's about... Uh, HIV is kind of the through thread. It's really the setting of the film, just as the South is the setting of the film. Yeah. And I came to the story, um, or came to the issue, uh, because I came across some stats in the in the rural South. It, you know, AIDS being one of the leading causes of death among African American women, fifty percent higher rates of infection. Um, black, gay, or bisexual men. Um, HIV, you know, spiking in terms of infection rates. So these were kind of really surprising to me. And I just set off on a series of road trips that tallied like 13,000 miles and 400 interviews. And um, so, so, yeah, I went out on a series of road trips um, that tallied 13,000 miles and I interviewed 400 people. And it took about two and a half years. And, you know, it was a really a process of unlearning. And it was very disruptive because I thought I knew what HIV was all about. You know, it's like in the South, it's very much um, the same virus as the rest of the world, but it's a different disease. And it, I think, looks more like the global South than it does the urban areas of the United States. Awesome. Now, and what did you do before you made a documentary? Like, what's your vocation? Um, I'm, I'm a journalist. Okay. So, and I consider Deep South the journalism, even though... <laughs> Um, it, you know, the whole film is based on research, although there are no experts and no hardcore statistics throughout. It's really um, three main stories looking at the epidemic from an individual and family level, looking at alternative gay families, black gay families, um, at uh, a community level, looking at um, agencies and this one agency that puts on this annual retreat in yeah. northern Louisiana. Um, and and then uh, an activist um, and the CEO of an AIDS organization who really takes us out of the South and places the South in the context of the HIV-AIDS bureaucracy right. throughout the country. And these, like, four subjects, I guess, because you there's, like, little 
stories here and there throughout, and like little side characters. But like this is kind of these four stories are the main thrust of the film. And how did you like out of like all these different stories? How do you decide to like pick them? Like and decide to make them the film about them specifically. Well, the issue is so the stories are so complex. You know, yeah. the issue itself is really complex. So the the idea wasn't to reduce it to one thing. I don't have an answer as to how you solve HIV, the high rates of infection in the, in the rural south. Um, what I can say is that uh, we need to look at all of the issues. Like what I found was really a region in crisis yeah. and all these interconnected and interlocking issues that happen around this disease. And so we, we wanted to take it from a very small, in, you know, a individual level mm-hmm. through community, through the whole, you know, all of society. And so that's why they're, they're broken up. Like, I consider it almost like levels. Right. And then, um, yeah, and then from there, we, we you know, they're individual stories. Mm-hmm. So even though Kathy, where we get most of the information because she's giving speeches and saying the same thing over and over again, um, her story, we, we flipped what she was saying with her context, and her story is all about long hallways and saying the same thing over and over and over again and traveling and driving and flying, and, you know, it's just, it's constant. Yeah, about, um, I guess, about Kathy, her story for me stuck out to me um, as, like, she is a courageous a very inspirational character, but also, like, there's a certain tragedy, I feel, with her, because she's, like, doing all this great work, which seems, like, exhausting for her, and it seems very isolating, too. Mm -hmm. In fact, those were, the themes of the film are really isolation, Mm -hmm. inertia, and home, and themes of home, so we actually see Josh's storyline, who's the young, um, gay or bisexual black man in the film, uh, who's isolated in the Mississippi Delta. We see his story and Kathy's story kind of crisscrossing in the <laughs> film. Yeah. They're both very isolated, and they're both, there's this, like, inertia. You know, his running in place in the beginning of the film symbolizes that. It's just he's exerting all this energy, just like Kathy's doing, right. but kind of going nowhere. And there has been some shift, you know, in attention to the South. I think it's coming uh, more and more right now. But even back in... Um, a couple of years ago when Obama was going around his with his uh, HIV AIDS team and, and coming out with the first ever national strategy, it really maintained the status quo and focused on, you know, now a 12-city project implementation. Right. Which goes against all the numbers, you know, and goes against, I mean, it was just so surprising, you know, and, and this is not a new story and these are not new statistics either. This has been going on for a long time. It's just, I think... We've told one story about HIV, which is an amazing story of the cities, and it, it changed the you know the whole paradigm of the epidemic and treatment and everything. But we didn't tell like the quieter story. Yeah. You know, we didn't tell the story that happened when you know the activism of the '80s and the '90s you know didn't actually happen in the South. Right. So that's that's the difference. Yeah, and I guess um, that was like what was so. Um, surprising for me because I'd never, despite, um, like, learning and understanding more about the HIV crisis, AIDS crisis in the 80s, I'd never even thinking about how it affected people in the South and, like, how that still is such, it's still so present there. And I was, like, wondering, like, because 
it uncovers, like I think like he said, it does a really good job of uncovering so many different layers and levels. Like, do you feel any, you were kind of touching on this a little bit, but do you think there is any kind of hope in the South at the moment? I do. I think there's a lot of hope. I think what you're finding is a lot of synergy among the researchers and academics and organizations that are going down and really focusing on this. You'll hear a lot about, um, you know, not so much about HIV and public health, but social justice themes, um, looking at this um, epidemic in different ways. You know, and if you look at the South, particularly and looking at at it as a region, these are the same states Mm. that are most affected by the Voting Rights Act that are, you know, that are not expanding Medicaid, so expanding Medicaid. Um, So, Again, you're you're like there's something about this region. There's something, and there's that map yeah. in the film too, where it where it look it correlates yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, slavery and poverty and HIV, and that's based on research by Bronwyn Lichtenstein at the University of Alabama, who put together that map correlation. I mean, it wasn't just something that you know I made up. It was it's really founded and, and undergirded by all this um, research. Now, why do you think that is? Like, why do you think that area? such a hard and troubled past and troubled current time. You know, some people will tell me that, you know, reconstruction was never finished. Mm-hmm. You know, the blueprints were abandoned. And so, you know, whether slavery morphed into sharecropping, which yeah. morphed into, um, you know, heavy, heavy manufacturing. And there was always kind of a spirit of exploitation. And, you know, now it's, you know, you look at the South, and I would say you look at the statistics, and yes, it needs help, but how are those statistics also being exploited is kind of what I'm looking at right now, Yeah. Um, those bad statistics, because now you have... <laughs> Now you have all these really bad statistics. I mean, it's I didn't have to prove anything with, with <laughs> yeah. Deep South, to be honest. Yeah. Um, there are also a lot of people who have left. You know, the, the migrant, the people who could leave, left. You know, they went up to Chicago. They went elsewhere. They went to Dallas. They went to the big cities. But if you can't necessarily leave because yeah. you either do, some people just don't want to, or some people cannot because they're they're too poor. So what happens? What happens to them? And those maybe are not the people who have the really strong voices to stand up for themselves. There's a really a heavy sense of resignation in the South, mm. where and and also a sense that you know your place in society. Yeah. Um, you know, initially when I was going across the South. I was an outsider and, and from the north and not southern at all. And I, I started a lot of conversations with folded arms and people not being very you know, open, open to me to yeah. talk to me. But I kept going back. And then they trusted me. And then, then I found myself in a position where I was able to access all different levels of society where if I were an insider, a southerner, you know, and say if I were black or if I were you know, white... I, I would know my place and wouldn't be able to necessarily access the different kinds of, um, you know, layers of yeah. and levels of society. That's fascinating. Yeah, I've just been thinking about that, actually. <laughs> I remember there was one time I was on, like, some riverboat with, like, high society and, you know, on the Mississippi, you know, river or some lake in that area. And then at night I was, 
on the other side of town, on the other side of the tracks, you know, braiding hair with the waitress at one of the places I went to eat, mm -hmm. you know. So I really had uh, a window, you know, a great window to observe kind of all different kinds of life in the South. Yeah, that's so, I mean, that's, it really comes through in the film as well. But it's really interesting about that. Um, and I guess I'd like to talk more on a technical level um, because... Um, the film is not, it's not like a talking heads film documentary at all. And I was wondering, like, why do you choose um, to uh, take the, the approach, especially like some of the scenes, um, like one that really stuck out to me towards the beginning is when one of the characters is talking about um, sexual, his sexual abuse, and it takes place in an abandoned shed. And it almost feels very uh, Terrence Malick, um, <laughs> or like early, like, like George Washington, uh, David Warren Green early. Um, early on in his career, and I was just wondering, um, but it's, it's just weird, like, it's very beautiful, but it also comes across as very kind of haunting, so I was wondering, like, why, or what your background is in kind of film or mm -hmm. photography, and then why you decided to shoot Deep South that way. Okay, so I, we decided that, I mean, Du Lin Tu um, is the director of photography, and the only thing that I said to do was no talking heads, <laughs> and <laughs> I don't want, we're not talking, we're not making, you know, the subjects examples of the statistics, you know, gotcha. like everything is based on research, but these are about real stories. And so that scene, I love, that's one of my favorite scenes in the whole film that you're talking yeah. about. We refer to it as the haunted house scene. Yeah. Um, it's based on Kate Wetton's work at Duke University, where she compares childhood trauma uh, and future health outcomes, HIV being one of them. And so, um, we Josh's life follows a pattern, and I wish it were, I wish it were not common. You know, where there's some kind of childhood abuse, then there is a period of sexual ambiguity, an HIV infection, a um, attempted suicide, and then a life of isolation. Hmm. So, and and I've talked to many people who are kind of living in that life of isolation part as well. But so we we decided to start off Josh's story with talk of his molestation that's his childhood trauma yeah. right? and he was molested in a, a shed next to his house um, which had fallen in an ice storm and so I was driving over there one day and I we, we looked at the cars that were parked in this uh, how on the lawn of this house and I said Josh does somebody live there because that house looks burned down but just assuming that the cars were parked on the lawn that someone was living there yeah. right? and he's like oh no that house burned down like years ago and I was like can we go in you know because our, our goal we were like what are we going to shoot over his molestation and him talking about it because yeah. we decided interiors all around the delta you know abandoned school buses like in inside old abandoned juke joints and maybe he's in it maybe he's not but like this sense of like you know, the same haunting um, images. Yeah. But anyway, we walk into the house. This is right next door to his um, childhood home. And it is to torched and abandoned just as you mm -hmm. see it. So we decided, okay, we're going we're gonna to film it here. Yeah. And so it is kind of a visual metaphor because we were really trying to show the damage inside of his head. But how do you show that with, like, cute baby pictures or, you know, where he's like <laughs> right. 12 or, you know, going, what, what were we going to show? We were going to do a straight interview with him. So we decided we wanted to do something a little bit artistic. And I think that's probably the most artistic 
scene in the film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we considered it like a visual metaphor, and it really is to demonstrate what we can't see in his head, which is like on the outside, this, there's this house that looks... It doesn't look great, but it, you know, you don't. You th- could someone could live there, and then you go inside, and it's just complete. I mean, set ablaze and all the remnants of it, and yet it's still standing in this neighborhood, yeah, just there. It's there, and I think. Well, I guess it's so interesting. You mentioned like that kind of pattern that people follow. That you show Josh not falling into that pattern because he finds that family, right? Right. Which. Um, so his whole journey in the film is he goes, he's isolated in his hometown yeah. in the Mississippi Delta, and then he goes to this gay family barbecue yeah. in Jackson, you know, and that's it. And he, we meet his gay father, Cedric, and then we find out Cedric has like 20 gay sons. <laughs> and yeah. it took me, you know, I was, I, I was talking with Cedric for a long time. I actually met Josh through Cedric, and I was going to, you know, support group meetings with Cedric. And then I found out some, you know, there is this thing called gay families, you know, and then this ball culture and something I had never really known about. And so I asked Cedric, I was like, is this something that happens in Mississippi where people have gay families and like alternative families? And he's like, well, yes, I, I'm like the patriarch. I'm like the dad of a gay family and I have like 20 gay sons. And I was like, what? You know, because it's something that they do on their, it's not a program. It's not something that they get funded to do. I mean, that was as simple as like a family dinner on a Sunday. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's incredible. It's, I've never heard about that either before. And it was just really interesting to watch and see how they all interacted. And like when they had the huge barbecue (laughs) all going over is, yeah, it was fantastic. Um, but yeah, and what's so I guess um, one of my closing questions is what's been like the reception um, for like at festivals so far, and like what are you like and what are you hoping really for this where this film to go and what are your hopes for its future? Sure. Um, so this is probably our fortieth screening. Okay. Um, we've only done a handful of festivals over the last year. Um, I've really been brought in by communities in the South and organizations to screen the film. And, you know, they host kind of community events around the film. Um, And I'd like to, I'd like the film to go in that direction. In a sense, the reception in the South has been, this is so normal. Like it's a, it doesn't, it opens up all these kinds of conversations Mm -hmm. in the South because, Yeah. yeah, because it doesn't, it's not in your face. I mean, and it's in your face maybe in a much more subversive way or it kind of gets under your skin. It's not in your face. So I'm not telling yeah. anyone to feel anything or do anything or telling them how bad it is at all. It's just, you know, they can see Josh, you know, and Monica and Tammy and Kathy as kind of the stand-ins in a sense for all for themselves maybe. Yeah, and even all the people at uh, the retreat right. too, all the different stories and characteristics. Exactly. You know, that retreat is really a microcosm of the whole epidemic across the South. Yeah. And um, so what I would like to do, and I've been working with um, researchers and academics because every scene is based on research. (laughs) So they're really excited about the film, too, because they're like, this was the missing component. Like, you didn't just do a visual report of all of our reports. You know, it's it's it takes it to another level. And yet we can talk about our research based on what you have here. Yeah. So what we're trying to do is really leverage the film as an intervention across the South um, to, in educational settings, but also in community settings where people can start talking about these issues on their own terms. 
Yeah. And um, so that's a goal for the film. I mean, certainly I'd love for it to be on television and, and reach a more mainstream audience as well, uh, because people outside of the South say to me, I never knew the South was like that. Yeah. And we kind of see it as like there are, these are the pockets in the South that are not like the broad stroke South, you know, the how people talk about the conservatism or the backwardness of the South. That isn't like that at all. In fact, I think a lot of these, like the gay family is an example of that, are, you know, Southerners redefining their own values. Right, yeah. You know, in very modern ways, yet being still very true to their values as Southerners and mm -hmm. that culture. So I think those are the, the goals that I have for the film, that it, you know, is distributed on television, that it somehow is an intervention across the South where the subjects of the film can present it to people, you know, and to communities. Yeah. Mm. Well, well, I really hope um, that it does so. Uh, I think it has uh, a lot of potential. Thank you. And, uh, but yeah, so thank you so much for being here with us, oh, Lisa. thank you for having me.